0: Welcome to the Locked On Steelers Podcast. I am your host, Tony Serino, and this is your daily dose of all things Steelers. The meeting between Art Rooney and Antonio Brown has happened, and both sides have agreed to part ways. We will talk about that today. Uh, The Antonio Brown thing finally has the finality that I've been looking for. Now, the trade hasn't happened yet, but both sides have agreed that there is going to be a trade, and we'll talk about it. Today. We'll also do our review of the wide receiver position for the 2018 position. We'll talk about Juju and his impact, and then, you know, where do the Steelers go from here? I mean, we talked a lot about the AB situation, but regardless of the AB situation, the Steelers still have some needs at wide receiver. We'll talk about that today as well. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Tony Serino. You can find more of this podcast by going to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts. Search Locked On Steelers, hit the subscribe button, make sure you get your. Daily Dose. You can follow me on Twitter, at Steeler Country. You can find us on Facebook. Search Locked On Steelers. Hit the like button there. Make sure you also join the Facebook group. And you can also find us on Instagram, at Locked On Steelers. And let's start today with the AAF, the spring league that's hoping to become the uh, the feeder league, the minor leagues of the NFL. I know, it's, you know there's reports now that they're going through some financial troubles, and you know, they were going through financial troubles after week one. They needed an influx of $250 million dollars. Uh, $250 million investment from the Carolina Hurricanes owner, the, the hockey team. Not good. Not good. They were going to miss payroll after week one. It's not great for a young league like that. That You know, the, what usually happens with these leagues, as I, as I talked about, is they go away after one year. It sounds like the AAF is not going to be a lot a lot different there. I'm interested to know if you guys continued watching in week two. I, I did. I, at least I tried to. I tried to watch week two. It's tough, though. The, the, the pro, Here's the problem with a league like the AAF. You know, they, they have these rule changes, and, and you know, they're going to have no kickoffs, and every, everyone has to go for two, and transparency on replay, and and the big hits are not going to be penalized as much. And all of that was fun to watch in week one. And I was excited to watch week one. In fact, I had two TVs in the living room going for week one. I mean, I was all in for AAF. But you know, what you cannot deny about it is that the play on the field is just not as good. And I, and I don't mean that about the, like, not as good as the NFL. Of course, it's not going to be as good as the NFL, but it wasn't as good as college football. And that's where it really got me. So am I really going to watch sub-college football every week? Do I really need that much football in my life? I don't know. I, you know. I tried to watch week two. I watched I watched some of the Birmingham-Memphis game. Ooh, that was brutal. Brutal game to watch. I couldn't do it. I had to turn it off. I, I did watch the Orlando game against San Antonio on Sunday, and that was a fun game. That kept my attention all the way through. That was the one AAF game that I watched, and I said, okay, if the quality of play is going to be like this, you got two teams that can actually move the football, that actually look competent on both offense and defense. This is a football game that I will watch, but it was the only one. I mean, it's been the only one so far. And the problem for the AAF is that these, you know, these teams haven't played together enough, and, and they just, I don't, you know, probably they probably have they definitely haven't practiced enough. We're talking about teams that just started playing together what a month ago, if they started practicing, I mean, whenever they started practicing a month and a half ago. Come on, I mean, the the, the quality is not going to be there. And, and you know, I hope it gets better throughout the year but it sounds like if they're already in financial trouble people are going to start going away I think the ratings for week two you know were definitely not as good as week one and that was to be expected but you know the the problem here is that the play on the field has to be good enough to keep our attention and it's just not there I mean it's there in spurts and and I think Orlando is one of the only teams in the league that is worth watching on a week-to-week basis in fact oh maybe San Antonio as well because they looked good as well but you know that, that that's just it's few and far between in that league and that's what's good there. That's what that's what gets us all to to come off of the league and you know, we go back to our normal um spring schedule of of no football because I'd rather watch no football than watch bad football and that's that you know, that's the problem for a league like the AAF. Now, we have the XFL next year. We'll see if if they can do it any better, if they can start training camps earlier or something like that. I don't know how you combat this because it just feels like every league's going to have to go through this growing pain of having these teams who just they haven't played together, they're not you know, they don't know their systems yet. And so you know, there's going to be growing pain as far as on the play, uh, on the field. Um, I I don't know how you avoid that for the AF, but it's sad. It sounds like this league won't be lasting the the season and we'll see next year if the XFL suffers a similar fate. We talked yesterday about Art Rooney wanting to meet with Antonio Brown in Miami, kind of settle this whole thing, or at least figure out what Antonio Brown's side of the story was. That meeting happened and it happened yesterday. Uh, Antonio Brown tweeting a picture of he and Art Rooney with the caption, had a great meeting with Mr. Rooney today. We discussed a lot of things, and we cleared the air on several issues. We both agreed that it is time to move on, but I'll always have appreciation and gratitude towards the Rooney family and the Steelers organization. So, Antonio Brown and Art Rooney meet. They both agree it's time for a trade. And, yeah, you know, this is what I, I mean. Look, I, I, as I said yesterday, I credit Art Rooney for having this meeting in the first place. It would have been very easy for the way the Steelers have been treated by Antonio Brown during this whole thing to say, you know. Enough with this guy. Let's just get him off the team, trade him, get him somewhere else, and and move on with this. But, you know, Art Rooney has the class to say, no, you know what? I want to hear what Antonio has to say. As crazy as it might be, as outlandish as it might be, and as one-sided as it might be, let's hear what he has to say. Let's hear him out and, and try to make this thing work. And that was never going to happen, but I credit Art Rooney. For having that meeting. And so now, you know, <laughs> okay, so we have Antonio requesting the trade. Now the Steelers have agreed to it. The other part of this that is interesting, this comes from Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, is that the Steelers have not allowed Antonio Brown or Drew Rosenhaus to facilitate that trade. So they're not allowing Antonio Brown and Drew Rosenhaus, his agent, to go out in the NFL and get their own trade partner. The Steelers are going to control where Antonio Brown goes. And that's important here as well because as we talked about with Matt Williamson last week in a little bit, with Christopher Carter, you know, there are, there are certain destinations where Antonio Brown just can't go, right? In, in Within the AFC North, it seems like an impossibility. As much as, you know, wide receiver might be a need in Cleveland, might be a need in Baltimore. Uh, I mean, hell, I don't think the Bengals would turn down Antonio Brown, but the Steelers would certainly turn down any trade request <laughs> within the division. I think that there are teams in the AFC that you don't want to help get over the top, the Kansas City Chiefs, the New England Patriots, are two teams that come to mind that you absolutely don't want to hurt yourself. You know, as long as the Steelers still consider themselves a Super Bowl contender, so I wouldn't expect that. You know, he'll be able to go to those places. And really, you have to talk about the NFC, and we start talking about realistic places that Antonio Brown can get traded to. The two that keep coming up are the 49ers because you know AB is, has this fascination now with Jerry Rice and the 49er organization, and that's really where this all. You know, that's at the beginning of this. The genesis of this was, you know, A.B. tweeting googly eyes at, at George Kittle, the tight end, on the 49ers. And so it makes sense that that's where we end up. And the 49ers have a high draft pick. So if the Steelers are looking for a first-round pick but teams don't want to give them a first-round pick, the next best thing would be the 49ers' second-round pick, which is the second pick in the second round. Essentially a first-round pick. Uh, so, you know, that, that's out there. You also have the Packers, who have a big need at wide receiver. They have a big need, really, on offense to kind of spark an offense that is so disappointing. When you have maybe the most talented quarterback at the helm in Aaron Rodgers, and yet that team is going what were they six and ten last year? Uh, Just a a bad year for the Packers on offense. So would they bring in Antonio Brown? I think they have a late twenties pick, I want to say, maybe the thirtieth pick in the draft, somewhere around there. So that you know, if if the Packers wanted to jump in with a first round pick. That would be even better than the 49ers right? And, and the, you know people keep talking about you know what is the trade value for Antonio Brown right now? Look, he's got on the field problems, he's got off the field problems. But and so people keep talking about a third round pick and you know that's like the max. Okay, a third round pick to general managers might be fair. And that might be the starting that might be where we start this conversation. But I don't imagine there's only going to be one or two teams that are going to be bidding for Antonio Brown. And so as, even if the negotiations were to start with a third round pick you start, you know, they're going to start escalating from there. And that's where I think the Steelers are probably going to get at least a second-round pick here. And the hope here, a late first, an early second, that's good value for Antonio Brown, considering everything that's happened with this situation over the past month. The Steelers should be very happy to get that. Now, I've always said picking a player, doesn't sound like picking a player is going to happen. Although, if I'm if I'm uh, Kevin Colbert at the Combine in a couple weeks from now, it's still what I'm pushing for, because I, I need to help this defense, but I also need a replacement for Antonio Brown. The, the One other thing that got brought up on Twitter yesterday, which I liked a lot, which was the idea that if the Steelers, let's say the Steelers do go through with the transition tag plan for Le'Veon Bell and now they're going to trade Antonio Brown. Uh, I, I wish I could give credit to who, who said, I think it was Scott Casmir of, he works with football outsiders. Uh, he said the Steelers should trade Le'Veon Bell to the Jets and Antonio Brown to the Bills because yes, you're helping AFC teams, but you're helping AFC East teams close the gap between themselves and the New England Patriots who have basically had a free ride in that division for so many years now, which I love that idea. I love that idea just from a, you know, look, the Steelers, in in making this trade, they're not helping themselves because you're losing your best offensive player. But you can help yourself by, you know, as I've talked about, getting a pick and a player and parlaying this into multiple pieces or getting him out of the conference altogether and putting him in the NFC where you only have to see him once a year tops. Uh, But putting him in the AFC East... May not be great because if one of those teams were to really, you know, uh, turn the corner, then all of a sudden you've created a contender in the AFC. But but even if you get a team like the Bills, or I mean, not to the Bills or Jets were even close to being a contender last year. But if you move those teams closer to contention, closer to nine and seven or ten and six, and start taking games off the Patriots, yeah, that can help. That can definitely help. So I like that idea as well. We won't have long to wait. I don't think for Antonio Brown to get traded. I think this is going to happen in the next couple weeks. You have. The, the, uh, the Combine is going to happen March 1st, uh, and I think right around there is where the negotiations are going to start. And, and, you know, you got the league year starts the 15th. I imagine that, you know, at the the beginning of March is when you're going to see this trade come through, and it'll be interesting to see where the Steelers do elect to trade Antonio Brown. And then let's finish up today with a review of the wide receiver position in 2018 some of this discussion a moot point because what we just talked about Antonio Brown is getting traded so the 15 touchdowns that he had the the 1300 yards uh, 100 100 plus catches that he had that's all going away but he was terrific again even in a down year and that's really what I want to talk about with his wide receiver position is you know how funny it is to think about this idea that you know Antonio Brown's had a down year he's on a down slope or anything like that in his career at 31 years old the guy had 100 catches 1300 yards and fifth touchdowns now yes you know his his yards per completion I think were down this year uh you know obviously his yards was was way down this guy was putting up 1800 yards in a season at one point in his career so uh yes his numbers were down this year but that came for in good reason because alongside him you had the emergence of Juju as the the other threat at the wide receiver position and Juju finished the year statistically with a better year than A.B. You know, and we talk about you know getting double teamed, and, and you know, AB being more of a decoy this year, and all of that. You know, Juju just stepped up at big moments. You know, it's not it's not new that AB is getting double teamed on every play. It's not new that you know he can be used as a decoy at times to open up things for other parts of the offense. The Steelers have just never had a wide receiver as talented alongside Antonio Brown as Juju Smith-Schuster. And so when people like to dis- diminish what Juju has done this year because he played alongside. Antonio Brown. Let's not forget that Antonio Brown has been a Steeler for nine years, and no Steeler has put up numbers when put alongside uh AB. So you know, it's it's a it's a ridiculous. uh I think it's a ridiculous assessment of Juju's year is to, to diminish it in any way. You know what? You know Kobe Hamilton wasn't putting up those numbers, right? Even Martavis Bryant at his peak wasn't putting up these numbers. Emmanuel Sanders for a little while there, not putting up those numbers. If these guys just did not put up the numbers, Juju didn't. It's because he's a fantastic young receiver. He's one, maybe the best young receiver in the league right now. And you know, the questions for Juju coming out of 2018 are going to be: Can you be the guy? Can you be the number one guy? And people are going to point to the tape against Cincinnati and say, maybe not, right? Because he had a very, he was a very quiet on that day. He had a couple plays here and there, but you know, he was not the dominant force we had seen him be all year not the dominant force that we saw a B in similar situations when he was the only target at wide receiver. The Steelers have some questions going into 2019 at wide receiver, which we've talked about a lot. Of course you have to replace Antonio Brown. I won't talk about that today because we've, we've beaten that to death on this podcast. But you know, the other question here is the, is the James Washington situation, which we've also talked about a lot. The Steelers need a true deep threat. They wanted James Washington to be that Washington showed some signs at the end of the year. Remember he spent the majority of the year having like 3 catches for 25 yards. Now he came on late in the year with some nice plays here and there and the hope has to be that you know he he continues that into 2019. The problem for the Steelers is you've already lost Antonio Brown. You can't count on James Washington. You can't re- put your hopes on your second outside receiver on James Washington. So you have an AB problem, you also have a James Washington problem. I expect them to go heavy into wide receiver in the in free agency. And through the draft, I expect this is gonna this is gonna be a multiple player type situation as far as we talk about adding to this position. Now, where the Steelers I think are, are pretty good is at the slot. Because first of all, Juju is best when he's in the slot, although he can play on the outside as well. So, you know, the Steelers have maybe the best slot receiver in the game in Juju. Behind him, you've got Ryan Switzer, who was who was very good. In 2018, they used him a little bit as an H back early in the year. Then they kind of transitioned him more to using him in the slot. Eli Rogers came back at the end of the year and was terrific, especially in that game against the Patriots. The Steelers have to like where they are there. Right? I mean, they have some players there. They don't need to upgrade there just yet. Um, yeah, they have to like where they are. Where they where they have to upgrade in 2018 is on the or 2019 is on the outside. I mean, they have to find better outside receivers, and I mean that. I mean that when it comes to James Washington as well. James Washington can be a, you know, can can compete with whatever player they come in. Let's say they let's say they bring in, you know, John Brown or Chris Conley, like Christopher Carter was talking about, right? So those are two players I think you can realistically see the Steelers signing for a discounted rate in this offseason. James Washington can compete with those players, and if he earns the spot in training camp, then yes, he can be the starting outside receiver. But I don't think the I don't think the Steelers can afford to go into 2019 with James Washington as an assumed starter, a guy who had, you know, just what, 16 catches in all of 2018? And yes, he was the fifth option at times in this offense. And 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 we'll likely, even as we go into 2019, and if the Steelers made no changes today, what is the pecking order as far as your options offensively? Well Juju's number one, James Conner's right there, you know, Vance McDonald's right there. And then maybe you put James Washington at that point. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 does Eli Rogers, Ryan Switzer play into that at all? I think they do. And so I think that's where you know James Washington still has an upward battle even before the Steelers upgrade the wide receiver position. Um, didn't do himself any favors. Did not do himself any favors. I'm excited to see what Eli Rogers can do back in this offense if the Steelers elect to re-sign him. I think he's an exclusive rights-free agent. So uh, he'll be back with the team. And then Ryan Switzer... You know, we're gonna do the we're gonna do the award show next week with the Steeler Country guys. You know, you talk about the best new player on the roster. Talk about what was what was the player that the Steelers brought in in the offseason that was most impactful on the team? You have a hard time not saying Ryan Switzer is that player. You have John Bostic on defense, Terrell Edmonds, who else? Jalen Samuels. What other what other new player to the, the addition to the roster made a bigger impact than Ryan Switzer? And not to say Ryan Switzer had a huge impact on this team, he didn't. But the impact he did have, I think, was most substantial. And um, I'm excited to see how they can utilize him in the offense with a full off-season to prepare. Remember, he came in very late in the process. I think he was uh, right before the last preseason game they brought him in. So um, excited to see what what Randy Feener can draw up for Ryan Switzer, given a full off-season. But you know, wide receiver. Look, wide receiver was a huge strength for this team. In 2018, it was their best wide receiver duo they've had since, you know, Heinz Ward and and Santonio is one of their best of all time. You know, you, you might say that Juju and AB was the best wide receiver combo the Steelers have had since Swan and Stallworth. Uh, That's how good 2018 was at the wide receiver position for the Steelers. They're not going to have that going into 2019. And this is going to be a big area of need going into the draft and going into free agency. All right, that'll do it for me today. Thank you all for listening. If you want to leave feedback, SteelerCountry at gmail.com, the email address. You can follow me on Twitter at SteelerCountry, and I'll be back tomorrow for more Locked on Steelers.